please keep your Bible open to Philippians chapter number 4. It'll be the main part of our text. We will be a few other places uh, throughout the message, but we're primarily going to use Philippians 4 verses 10 through 19 as our main text. I take the title of my message from verse number 14, four little words, where Paul said to the church in Philippi, ye have well done. Ye have well done. Pastor John has asked me to fill the pulpit today, obviously, and to kind of just pastor the church a little bit uh, during today and this evening. We'll do that in a variety of ways. Obviously, preaching is the most important way as we take the Holy Word of God and, and give us direction as a church and as a people. I know that your missions conference is just four days from now. I, I knew that. In fact, the reason I know that is because I actually planned that on the schedule before I left. Uh, all the missionaries coming, I think, except maybe for one, I scheduled them all. The main speaker, you're going to love. Oh, you're going to love uh, Brother Folger. What a great missions a hearted man, pastored for many, many years in Cleveland as well, just a, a personal friend. You're going to love it. Missions Conference is an amazing time. And so in the message today, I'm going to try to take Philippians 4. I'm going to try to accomplish two things. I'd like to lay a foundation for the Missions Conference that will come in four days because it is a missions passage. But if you'll stay with me through the end of the message, I'm also going to bring it full circle and I'm going to talk about this little phrase of ye have well done. I'm going to talk to you as a church for how you have done during this pastoral transition. So please stay with me as I try to give you the thoughts that the Lord has laid on my heart this week for this message. The Apostle Paul obviously is the human writer of the book of Philippians. Of course, he wrote 12 or 13, depending on if he was the human author of the book of Hebrews but he wrote many of what we call them uh, epistles. Some were written to the young preacher boys, Titus and Timothy. We call those pastoral epistles. However, the majority of these epistles written by Paul, what we call Pauline epistles, were written to churches. Local churches just like Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church. We find throughout most of these that Paul had developed personal relationships with these people, in most cases, not all, but in most cases, he was there for a period of time. In some cases, he had led many of these folks to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was their spiritual father, we could say. In some cases, he maybe was the one that helped get the church started and maybe was there for a time and then instituted a, another younger pastor. If you remember, he did that in Crete with Titus. Remember that? He left Titus in Crete and he said, ordain elders in every city. So we know the Apostle Paul was a great missionary evangelist, a great church planter. And Paul, along the way, we learn from many of these epistles, and here's the point I want to make, Paul was a great spiritual cheerleader. I love that phrase, a spiritual cheerleader. Uh, we see it in our text here, ye have well done. He was saying, I am proud of you. Church in Philippi, I want you to know that what you are doing counts for Jesus Christ. I, I may not be with you right now, Paul was saying. He says, I'm writing to you from another location, but I hear of your faith around the world. I want you to know ye have well done. A spiritual cheerleader. Can I just parenthesize a moment to say that's a little bit of what God has called me to do in this new era of my life. 
I have a mentoring ministry that I'm developing. I'll talk much more about it tonight. But God is opening doors and I'm being able to, by way of Zoom, by way of phone calls, by way of of personal introductions and going to churches and preaching in different places, teaching in Bible colleges, I am allowed to be a little bit of a spiritual cheerleader. To the younger preachers, I'm able to say, hey, take what has been given to you and go change the world with it. To the older preacher that maybe is a little bit discouraged, hey, hang in there. You can do it. You're not the only one that's that has had that issue. Maybe I can advise or counsel or pray with you or encourage you. And can I just say all of God's men need a little bit of encouragement. I hope that you'll continue to encourage Pastor John Woolard. He's one of the best. He's yours. And I hope that you'll treat him with that kind of respect. I'm going to read just a portion of an email that Brother Woolard wrote to me as we were talking about this weekend And a little bit of the thing of cheerleading and just saying well done and and such. He signed an email to me in in asking me to preach today and all the things that he's asking me to accomplish. And he signed it, your Titus. Now typically it's your Timothy, but he signed it, your Titus. He wrote back to me in an email, and I'm, I'm reading from his email right now, about the Titus thing. I have and will continue to learn from you. I have no problem putting my flavor on things here at Shenandoah, but there is so much that I still use or include that you began here. The underlying structure of how things are run still is all you. I laughed when I put Titus because I don't think of myself as a Timothy. I don't feel timid nor needing to hold your hand. Pastor John's not timid. Would y'all say amen about that? All right. Never, never more honest words were spoken than that right there. Amen. Nor needing to hold your hand. But I do still need counsel and encouragement from time to time. That's how I look at Titus. Paul left him in Crete to carry out the work. Titus didn't need as much, but Paul still wrote to him. That's just how I hope to be. Not a burden, but a blessing. And when I thought of, I gladly carry on the work that you have established. Pastor John and I have an amazing relationship. We text or talk nearly weekly, if not every other week. We get along well with each other. And can I go on record to say that's the way it ought to be between pastors. And so I say to you that Paul loved encouraging the men of God that God brought across his path. He developed deep and abiding relationships with so many people. Go back to Philippians 1, do you mind please? In our text here, the whole book of Philippians chapter 1, he says in verse number 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request of joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. He said, I want you to know when I think about the church, I pray for you. When I think about you, I think of fo- I think fondly of you. You are in my prayers. I am in remembrance of you. Keep Continue reading, uh, if you don't mind, please, down to verse number 8. Uh, verse number seven, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart. Can I stop and say, would you look right this way? I know I'm not the pastor of Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church, but listen to me. I still have you in my heart. I promise you that started not, uh, almost 10 years ago this December. When I walked in those doors, God put you in my heart. Just because I'm not here as your pastor doesn't mean I can't still love you. And just because you have another pastor to love you doesn't mean you have to pick one or the other. We can still love all of us. 
Amen. And Paul said, I have you in my heart. And look, Paul, Paul had people from Ephesus in his heart. And he had people in Thessalonica in his heart and Berea in his heart. Do you know that a preacher's heart can enlarge and can grow just like your heart can enlarge and grow for your next pastor as well? He goes on to say, verse 8, for God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Notice in chapter 4, please, in verse number 1. I'm just trying to show you, even in this epistle here, Paul's relationship, his deep and abiding relationship with the people in Philippi. Verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for, my joy and crown. So, here he, here's the spiritual cheerleader. So stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Look down at verse 14, please, our text. He says, notwithstanding, ye have well done. There it is, cheerily. You've well done. I'm proud of you. Now, we're going to talk in the message. What was he proud of? What had they done well? What were the things that he was clapping for them and saying, you have done a good job? That's what the message will be. He goes on to say that ye did communicate with my affliction. Verse 15. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, watch the phrase, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. He said, as I look at the other churches, I'm not saying that not everyone did anything or nothing. He said there were some that did some, some that did a little. He said, but there was no church like you. He said there was no church, and he, that's the two words, no church that communicated with me, Paul is saying, in this area of giving and receiving as ye did and he said, church, I want you to know, ye, ye have well done. Can I say to Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church, please, as I look past, look back over the last nine months that I've not been your pastor. And as I watch your services and as Pastor John and I continue to develop a deep and abiding relationship, can I say to you, I'm so proud of you. Ye have well done. You did not let a pastoral transition split you. You did not let a pastoral uh, uh, transition bring division. You didn't choose between Pastor Bain and Pastor John. Oh, li listen to me. No truer words have been said. Someone said to me about Pastor John. He is so much like you and he is so much not like you. <laughs> How many of you would agree with that statement? And, and, and isn't that okay? Because guess what? I was... Not like the guy that I followed. I wasn't like Pastor Don Smith. There were some areas I was like Pastor Don. There were some areas I wasn't like Pastor Don. There were some areas I was like Brother Owens. There were some areas I wasn't like Brother Owens. Guess what? God made us individuals. And he brings us to churches at certain times. And may I say to you, Shenandoah, ye have well done. Church in Philippi, ye have well done. It is a missions passage. I said that. Notice with me, if you don't mind, to go back to chapter 1 and verse number 12. Let me show it to you again. And just because I'm not pastor any longer doesn't mean I still don't use a lot of Bible when I preach. Amen? Look at verse 12 of chapter 1. But I, would, you, but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto, now watch the phrase, the furtherance of the, next word, church. Look this way. We're going to see it over and over throughout Philippians. It was about the gospel. It was about the gospel. It was a, hey, missions conference, it's about the gospel. We have faith promise missions because of the gospel. We go soul winning because of the gospel. We run buses because of the gospel. We pass out tracts even though they have different pictures on them than they used to have. 
I laughed so hard those months when he was making fun of getting rid of Pastor Bain and those 10,000 tracks. I hope they looked past my face, praise the Lord, but I hope they saw the gospel of Jesus Christ on the backside. Maybe some folks got saved because we got Pastor Bain out of here. Amen. I'm just trying to say. Now, some of you thought, yeah, we want. No, I'm in it just like that, you say. But anyway, it's the furtherance of the gospel. It's always about the gospel. That's what missions is all about. Look at verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the, read to me church, the gospel of Christ. He goes on to say in the, later in verse 27 that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind. Here it is. Striving together for the what? The faith of the? Look church, Shenandoah, you have well done because you're keeping the main thing the main thing. Soul winning is about, oh, I'll tell you what, COVID was a difficult season. It, it nearly shut nearly every church down. And may I say, there's some churches that have not reopened. I'm not talking about just having services. They're not even in existence any longer. Shenandoah, ye have well done that you're coming back, not just coming back in services, but coming back with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now you're continuing missions. I'm saying to you, ye have well done. It's always about striving together for the faith of the gospel. Look at chapter 2, verse number 15. Boy, if there's not a better verse about soul winning, here it is right here. The way that we live our Christian lives. Verse 15, chapter 2. Let's read it together. Here we go. Ready? That ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Here it is. Among whom ye shine as... This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Look, look, we sing it in junior church, right? That's That's what missions is. That's what soul winning is. That's what the church is to be all about. Shining as lights in a dark world. Verse 17, he speaks of their sacrifice and service of their faith. In chapter 4, verse number 10, look at it please. Let's go back to our text here. Chapter 4, verse number 10. Now he starts getting personal. He says, let, let, me, make it, let me show you how ye have well done personally, Paul says, with me. Verse 10. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last, watch this phrase, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity, your care of me. Do you know, church, look this way, that when you, and that was a wonderful PowerPoint that Brother Williams put together, those numbers there, showing you what can $100 a month do? What can churches that strive together for the faith of the gospel and all of these churches that support these missionaries that keep them on the field, what can that do? it's, It's showing how much we care for them. And Paul said, when I think of you, church, in Philippi, I'm remembering how you cared for me. In fact, no church cared for me like you did. And the, the journeys, the, the Paul's journeys that he, that he went on, uh, that, we, that we often read about in the New Testament. In fact, read at verse 18. Skip down to verse 18 because I think he's referencing this. In his journeys, notice some of the things they cared for. Verse 18. He says, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Did you see that? The, there were obviously material things. We might call it money. We might say we send a check. We, we send uh, money to a mission board. And that mission board then, then wires that money across the ocean. Why? So that that missionary can live. So they can buy food. So that they can, can have the ministry. They can take care of their family. Paul said these were things that were sent to me. Look, look this way. Missions is not just about prayer. Although it is. We'll get to that. It's also about substance. 
sending something to the missionary. It may be a basket that is sent. It may be a a need that a missionary has and you raise a little extra money. Uh, The Bibles that are going to Belize, I'll mention that in just a moment. I was here that Saturday. I got to see many of you. In fact, I think I stopped the workflow a little bit there. Everybody, all the time. In fact, Pastor, brother, what's his name that came? Who, who brought the, I think, I think he kept coming and kind of saying that these people need to get back to work, you know, we're, and finally he comes over and says, you and brother Jones need to go to the staple machine. So that's where we talked for the, the rest of the hour. But my point is I was having too much fun just saying hello to everybody, but watch you got to physically put the gospel together in a John and Romans. And those will be sent to believe that substance. That's something that will matter. I wonder, I wonder if at the judgment seat of Christ that God will, and I don't know how it's going to happen, but maybe one of those John and Romans is going to be shown and said, you put it together on some Saturday, and four months later, someone in Belize got that, read the gospel, and got saved, and now is in heaven for all of eternity. You see, that's what Paul is saying. You sent these things to me. It, they were substantive. Now, notice he says in verse 14, we're just really going to get down to the, the meat of the message here. I want you to notice in verse 14 the word communicate. He says, notwithstanding, ye have well done. How? Why? That ye did communicate with my affliction. Notice again in the middle of verse 15. No church communicated with me in giving and receiving as much as you did. So I want to just talk to you just a brief moment here. And you're in bad shape because I just looked up there and that clock is out. Do you see that? So I have no idea what time it is. So we're just going to be here all afternoon. How many of you believe that I could do that? Okay, yeah. (laughs) I was your pastor for nine years. Now, if you're a visitor today, you're saying, what have I gotten myself into, right? It's crazy nuts. He said, look, y'all better work hard to get that time up there if y'all want to go to lunch, okay? So he says, communicative. You have... Taken what was in your purview to give, and you have shared it with the Apostle Paul. Now, let's all be honest. I think the Apostle Paul likewise was always sharing with what had been given to him with those that were also likewise in need. How often do we see, let me just say this, missions conference really is just being a conduit. You know what a conduit is? It takes something from one place to another. So God gives you a little bit of money and a paycheck and you let it flow through you. You, you give a tithe to your church because that's the, that's the obedience. That's the place of starting. And then offerings are still flowing through as a conduit to the missionaries. Flowing through to the, to the, the gospel of Christ that is going around the world. He says, no church communicated with me in giving and receiving as ye did In fact, he says in verse 16, look at it again. He said, verse 16, he said, For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Watch. We've been having missions conferences here since 1992, I believe. Was that, Mrs. Smith, does that sound about right when Faith Promise kind of got instituted? I think it was the early 90s. If I remember right, 1992, I've tried to make a, a science of the history of Shenandoah. When faith promise was instituted, when, when we started giving by faith and missions in, uh, income started increasing and growing, I'm saying to you that, that we do it every year. Why? Because we don't want to just do well one year. We want to do well every year. Look, people are still dying and going to hell. Yes? People are still being born into this world that need to hear the gospel. And may I say people are dying faster than we can get to them. 
So obviously we give and we give and we give. He says, you, you gave to my necessity once and ye also did it again. You did it over and over. But he says, may I remind you that in verse 17, he said, I'm not doing this because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Hey, look at me. Are you familiar with Matthew chapter number six? Where the Bible says that we have temporal treasures. Be careful of laying up treasures just here on this earth. But rather send them on ahead for where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. We know that when we send money for the gospel's sake, it's placed into an account. And can I just say to you, God is the best CPA there ever was. I promise you, he's the best record keeper. He knows what you give. He knows how you sacrifice. He knows when you tithe. And when you give, when you don't think you can, but you do it anyway because of the faith of the gospel, and you do it because you have a heart and a burden for missions around the world, and he says, I want you to know that account, there's fruit that will abound to your account because of what you have given. Please understand, my friends, when we send physical money and somebody gets saved, that's an eternal reward that cannot be taken away. That's what he's referencing here, and that's why... Philippians 4 is such a great missions passage. He says there's such great potential, I believe, that the church in Philippi has. Paul, likewise, had written to the church in Corinth, and he had to really lay them out, didn't he? They were carnal and divided. He says, Philippi, you're not like that. You're you're not like these other churches I've dealt with. Remember in Revelation chapter number uh, 2, when when John the Apostle wrote to to the uh, church in Ephesus, he says, you've left your first love. You remember when he wrote to the seventh church, the church of Laodicea, you're lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. Let me just spew you out of my mouth. Look, we had dealt with other churches. Paul looks at Philippi and he says, no church communicated like you did. No church understood the concept of giving and it abounding to your account in the eternal realm as you did. So how did that take place? Here's the word I want to preach on just for a little while. Oh, shoot, they got it up there now. (laughs) The word communication. Communicated. Two times we find it in the text. Notice in verse 14 and in verse 15. Ye did communicate. With my affliction. No church communicated with me concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. The word communication in the Greek language means to have a share in and to give a share to. To have a share in. It's what the Greek word is. To have a share in, to give a share to. It has to do with joint possession. Now stay with me here as I do a little teaching. Joint possession. How many of you know that when you get a paycheck, that's not really your money? Because God gave that to you, right? God God gave you the ability to go work that job, to make that paycheck. Everything belongs to God, right? So when He gives it to us, now He doesn't ask us to give it all. He asks for a portion, right? A percentage. We understand that with tithing. We understand that with faith giving, grace giving. But he says, I want you to know what you think is yours is not really yours. It's ours, God says. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Everything belongs to God. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above. The Father of lights in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. 
Every good thing you have, God gave you. Every good thing Shenandoah has, God gave us. And he says, look, it's this communication has to deal with joint possession. It means to take what has been given to you and impart or give to another. To deliver. You see, it's like what we call a conversation or talking. It's a two-way street. Have you ever had a conversation with someone that it was a one-way conversation? <laughs> they weren't listening one iota. It was going in one ear and out the other. That's not a true conversation. A conversation really is deeper rooted with what we call communication. I teach this often in premarital counseling. A husband and wife can have, have a conversation, and that's fine. There's a place for that, very basic But husbands and wives need to learn to communicate with each other. That's where you're really hearing. Husbands, husbands, you didn't hear me, did you? Husbands, you need to listen to your wife, right? And hear what they say and be able to communicate it back. The point here is, is that communication is a two-way street. Now stay with me. And Paul said, church in Philippi, no church communicated with me as in giving and receiving as ye did. He says, look, I want to teach you something about this. Would you go to the book of Galatians, please? Chapter number 6. Just go back a couple of books. Galatians, chapter number 6. Galatians, chapter number 6. Verse number 6. We're going to find the word again. Communicate. Can you read with me, please? Galatians 6, 6. Ready? Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all Good thing. All right. So if communication is a two-way street, here he's talking about teaching. He says, so if somebody teaches you, you communicate back to that teacher that you've heard. Do you know that you have a responsibility in preaching as much as the pastor does? Did you hear what I said? Some of you didn't get that. I'm going to say it again for the sake of the point. The preacher doesn't get up here just for the sake of he didn't have anything else to do for, for 45 or 55 or an hour and 15 minutes at a time, I'm still just trying to bide my time here in case I go over, right? I'm just teasing, I'm just teasing. He says, look, when you communicate, you've been given something, it was taught to you, you communicate back. If I had to ask you to stand up and give me back some of the thoughts or the concepts or the points that I have just preached to you, could you do it? If you can't, it's because you are not communicating back like I have communicated to you. You see, for learning to take, for teaching to, to take root, there must be learning that takes place. And the same thing is true with this concept of giving and receiving. Let's keep going. Look at chapter 6 of Galatians and verse number 10. Stay with me now. We're going to see a different word here that is very similar. Verse 10. Galatians 6. We were in verse 6. Now we're in verse 10. As we have therefore, here's the word, opportunity. Let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Notice the word opportunity. If you remember back in Philippians 4, he said to the book of uh, the church in Philippi, he said, you looked for areas to give to me, to communicate to my necessities, but you lacked opportunity. That was a word that was said there. Sometimes, watch, do you know what missions conference does? It places opportunities in front of us. It tells us what the need of the world is. It tells us about particular missionaries. And they are coming in and they're all going to Asia. And all the Asia... How, how many think China needs, needs the gospel? How many think North Korea needs the gospel? How many know the Philippines need the gospel? I mean, all of those Asian nations that you'll focus on next week, they need to be communicated to, but you have to understand there's an opportunity. 
Uh, go to 1 Timothy chapter number 6, real quick. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Because again, we're talking about giving and receiving, so we'll talk a little bit about money here. You, look, you're going to have an opportunity to give in the next 12 months to Faith Promise Missions. Look at 1, uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse 17. Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches. How many, don't raise your hand, but how many do you, either you or you know of someone that's lost money in the stock market recently? He said, don't trust in uncertain riches. Look, money is, money is not always going to be here. Don't build your life on money. Someone say amen right there. But money is vitally important to get the gospel to the world. So we have to use of this necessity. But he says, don't trust in uncertain riches. Keep reading verse 17. But in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, verse 18, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, next phrase, ready, willing to, willing to what? Communicate. Communicate. That's the word. He said, you have a joint possession here. God has given to you. Some of you, he's given in greater measure. There are some rich people in this church. Now you're looking around saying, who? I haven't met them yet, right? <laughs> Certainly not me, right? But there are some, some, God has given a more ability to give, a greater capacity to give. He says, now be careful that you don't trust in those riches, but these people should be rich in good works. Verse 18. Ready to distribute, that means to give, willing to communicate. Now go with me to Hebrews 13. Please stay with me. Please stay with me. Hebrews 13. And now we come to another time that these words are found. I'm trying to tie them all together. We're relating them to missions. We're relating them to communicating with our missionaries to get the gospel around the world. Hebrews 13 and verse 16. He says, but to do good and to, talk to me church, communicate. He says, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is, next two word please. Look this way, well pleased. I'm going to try to bring this to a conclusion. Well pleased. What was my title this morning from Philippians about the area of giving and receiving and communicating? He said, no church has communicated with me as you did. He says, ye have well done. Ye have well done. He says, I'm, 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 I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm clapping for you. I'm applauding that you put things first that were godly and spiritual. You sacrificed in some areas where you could give to the needs and the necessities of others. And Paul said, even mine. You gave to me when I was on missionary journeys, he said. And you gave in some cases even out of your poverty, as was mentioned in 2 Corinthians 8. And he says here, he says, but to do good and to communicate for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Keep that word sacrifice in mind. Go back to our text, Philippians 4. Let me tie it all together. Philippians 4. Look please at verse number 18. Back to our text, Philippians 4, verse number 18. He says, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. Now watch. An odor of a sweet smell, a, next word, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing 
to God. Folks, what is it that motivates our communication? What is it that when we look at a missionary or or a missions program or the gospel going around the world, what is it that makes us give or compels us to give? What is it that causes a church like Philippi to say, I'm going to communicate and I'm going to do it over and over and over? Look, look, just because we've been given for decades at Shenandoah, don't let it fall on your watch where we stop. Continue the giving. Continue the sacrifice. Continue reaching the potential of getting the gospel, your part, our part of the gospel to this world. How do we do that? It's because we care. You see, he says in verse 15, no church communicated, no church cared for me as ye did a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable that was, sacri- that was satisfactory to God. And obviously there are so many ways that you can show that in missions. You can show that by prayer. You can show that by giving possessions. You can show that by promising support, monthly support. Do you know that when, when this church takes on a missionary, that is, that is long term. That is until they die or leave the field or, or something happen. We're going to make us promise to them. That's why it's so important that we all give. He says, I also want to note that some churches are even willing to give their, their pastor. They're willing to let someone who was in one place go to another place. Doesn't that sound like Paul? Paul was for 18 months or so in Ephesus. He was in Philippi. There were places that he was for a while, but then he went to the next place. And that church was willing to let go. You know why? Because they cared. And they were willing to communicate even in Paul's absence. I say all of that to bring us back to... Shenandoah Bible Baptist Church this morning. I understand that many of you many months ago when I stood from behind this pulpit and read a resignation letter, you did not understand. Why? Where? What are the next steps? Guess what? It was as much faith then as it was 10 years prior when I came here by faith. And what God is doing in my ministry, and I'm so super excited about it, I can't wait to share about it tonight, but listen to me. But you're, you have well done, church, because you've done two things. You've communicated. You've kept communication open between me and you. And likewise, you've communicated very well with your new pastor. You have cared for him. You have met his needs. He has been, I think, what our church needed. And you have been what he has needed. And to communicate means to have a share in or joint possession. Can I say this please? And maybe I'm the only one that can get away with saying something like this. Listen to me. You need him and he needs you. You you need a pastor that loves you. You've had pastors that have loved you for decades. Different eras, different styles, different men. Same God, same gospel, same Bible, same direction, same motive, same... Everything, just a different face. Can I say to you, would you please keep communicating with him? And would you still keep communicating with me? Because we're all on the same team. I'm just doing a different job now. Just like a missionary is sent to a foreign field. You don't, and I'm not asking for support because I'm not raising support. Okay, I've, I've told, I'm not raising support. God is, God's taking good care of us. But my, part, my point is, is that as we come to missions conference...
I want you to know you've got a pastor that loves missions, I think probably as much as I loved missions, as much as Pastor Don led our church to love missions and give and give and over and sacrifice. And may I say to you, let's keep communicating. And when a church does that, like the church in Philippi, then we can say what Paul said, you have well done. Shenandoah, you've well done. My wife and I have talked about this. You, you staff, you have well done. You understand, we haven't lost any pastoral staff members in the transition. Thank God for that. I worried about that. But guess what? They didn't come here to work for me. They came here to work for God. So unless God moves them on by His will, then I'm glad they're all still here. Guess what? I'm glad you're still here. And I'm glad there are a whole bunch of new faces I don't know because that's how a church keeps on going generation after generation. Ye have well done. You've well done as a church. You've well done with your pastor. Let's keep well-doing in missions as you start on Thursday for your conference. Would you bow your head with me, please? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, please, you know this message was built in my heart this past week for this hour. And Lord, I wanted the truth of the, of the message in Philippians. Lord, to, to allow Shenandoah to know that's the kind of church we ought to be. That's the kind of church we should continue to be. And we thank you for it. Lord, I pray not only for the pastoral transition as it continues, but Lord, I pray then for missions as it continues. And may there be communication in both areas. Now, Lord, I pray that you would bless in this invitation. Maybe, maybe some Christian that missions is a new concept. They don't even understand about giving for a missionary to go. What's that mean? Lord, that we would just have soft hearts to hear and to allow the word of God to help during the conference to soften us to the place of doing what we should. Lord, I pray that the gospel, even in this invitation, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ, the only way to heaven. Lord, the lady sang about it a moment ago. It's nothing but the blood of Jesus that saves man's soul. Lord, maybe somebody here today doesn't know you as their Savior. May they come at this invitation to receive you. Lord, help us now, please, to say yes. To communicate with you. With what the Spirit is saying in our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me?